So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Hey everyone and welcome back. Well, round three of the Super Rugby competitions in the books. 48 tries, 378 points and seven yellow cards. So it was a big weekend. Of course, I am Archie, joined as always with my brothers Toby and Leo. And this is the Running Rugby Podcast. So it was a big weekend. We'll start as always looking at the Australian teams. Let's go back to Friday night. The Reds taking on the Brumbies up in Brisbane. And this is a bit of an upset. We didn't expect it. The Reds came away winners, 18-10. to 10. So the Reds played well early on. They they made use of the width of the field. They got some good offloads away early. Uh, Liam Wright had a great offload and was really busy around the park, which is great. He's a young, young player, only 20 years old. Uh, and they had a really solid scrum. And even even after hitting some scrums, Pangaramosa was also really highly involved, lots of carries and, and getting across the game line. So... That was a real positive for the Reds. They just couldn't seem to keep going for 80 minutes. Yeah, Pangamosa was definitely strong. Like, he's strong in contact. He carries the ball well. But you're right, Liam Wright, that guy, he's a star. Like, you can tell already he's still a bit raw, and he does probably need to bulk up a little bit. But saying that, he is going to be playing seven. So he's a fetcher. He's, you know, he saw him make some steals. He was in everything. Um, and it might be a similar kind of situation to what Ned Hannigan had to go through last year with the Tars, where there's going to be ups and downs um, and a bit of an adjustment to playing at this level. But you can see, like, there's so much talent there, and that's a great sign for the Reds. Yeah, he's a smart player, and you saw that he actually got taken away on tour and got to spend some time with the Wallabies last year. So Czech has obviously put a bit of a mark on him as a player of the future as well. And they hold back row. We're all really involved. Like Liam Wright was a standout for mine, but, but they're... Their six Kocic. and their eight were, were also, yeah, Kocic. we mentioned him last week briefly, but again, good performance. And their number eight standing in for Higginbotham was, was also pretty dominant. But then also, of course, we had the lack of discipline and, and another yellow card for no arms in the tackle. Yeah, Caleb Timu, he does spend more time at eight, I think, for in the NRC maybe and, and club rugby. So he's familiar with that position. And look, this yellow card, I think he got quite unlucky, to be honest. Like, he did actually get one of his arms halfway round, and another one, I think, came round but hit his own player. So it maybe looked worse than, than what it actually was, I think. And the referees are being conservative with this. They're kind of... If it looks like any sort of shoulder charge it off, at, at all, sorry, they're getting sent off. So this is, you know... You can't, it's can't not great for the game. Anymore. Yeah, you can't. I think you just... Either they're going to soften up a little bit as the season goes on and not be sending off people for offences like that, or the players just need to make those adjustments to their game. It's not that we want to see shoulder charges, but if guys are going in there with the intention to make a strong tackle and they don't quite get their arm around, I'm not sure they should be receiving a yellow card, though, for that kind of tackle. Having said that, they they shouldn't change... They shouldn't change the standard that they've established now because that's that's when you get the inconsistency and people always complain that that the 
the yeah. refereeing decisions aren't consistent game to game and then round to round and by the end of the season what we're allowing it back in again if they if this is the line they've taken then maybe sometimes the player gets unlucky if his arm gets held up on a on a stand like a player standing nearby and he doesn't actually get the arm wrapped with the tackle yeah. how much how much gray area do you want the refs to have to make a determination oh he was trying to get his arm around it wasn't that's that's just where it's sort of either reckless or it's sort of accidental yeah look it's a delicate area because i know that they want to rule out this kind of contact in the game but i think you will see adjustments be made from a referee's perspective because if they're killing the games by being a little bit too harsh with these cards i think that they will hold back if they see that over a number of weeks there will be kind of a consensus maybe that they do need to be a little bit more cautious which is handing out cards. So we'll see what happens over the next, say, three, four weeks. I just find it hard to believe that the Reds have gone into a week in preparation when they've just lost their starting second row, starting number eight for three weeks, and they haven't just cracked down to be the fact that, no, we should be going ultra-conservative here, and we shouldn't be giving the referees any opportunity to give you a yellow card, to give you a chance to go in front of the judiciary board again to get any any further suspensions yeah. on the team. But, but Callum Timu, he wasn't intending to go in there and shoulder charge the guy. Like, he wanted to make a big hit. It was less intentional than, say, what Higginbotham was trying to do. Let's um, turn our eyes to the Brumbies. Uh, so I think we were both uh, were all a bit disappointed with the, how they came out. What do you think, Toby? Do you think it was a problem in the forwards, a problem in the backs, or just general across the park? I think it's a bit, yeah, it's a bit of both with the forwards and the backs. They don't seem to have their structures in place that are that are aiding that attack. I don't know if it's it's Christian at ten having a few struggles there, or Gold Godwin is starting to straighten the attack, which is a good thing. But yeah, some of those outside backs, Chance Penny was a, he was dropping the ball quite a lot. Um, Henry Spate still making some questionable decisions there. So their backs aren't firing. And I'm not sure their forwards are really being as dominant as they were in, in previous years. They don't seem to be as dominant at the, at the set piece. So probably set piece they need to correct. And then in attack, the backs need to be a lot more fluent and just, yeah. Definitely the handling remains an issue that didn't seem to improve from last week, which is what was keeping the Sunwolves in that game. The way the, the forwards have dropped off in the set piece is worrying. But it should be something, and I know we said it last week as well, the, it's something that they're very familiar with. They should be able to correct. So yeah, hopefully they, they, can, they can I work on they that. And, and I still I think it's, I think it's a bit of a, an issue with all the Australian teams so far from what we've seen. I think we're trying to do a bit too much each phase. Like we're, we're not as – we don't look we're as comfortable. To, yeah, we're not patient. We, we, we're not – we don't look as comfortable – just rolling the phases, keeping things fairly simple and waiting for a really good opportunity to to present itself and then you then you throw that slightly more risky cutout ball because you're trying to capitalize. It looks like we're trying to force those moves in the first three or four phases and when they don't come, things just get even more excited. Well, I think I actually heard Brendan Cannon make a good point during the week that he thought some of the Australian teams they weren't relaxed in attack. Like, they've got hard hands at the ball. They're pushing passes. They're not playing a natural game. They look like they're forcing things. Whereas the New Zealand teams kind of have those soft hands. They move the ball quickly. It just seems like they play, 
you know, that's how they play and they don't go away from that. Whereas it feels like the Australian teams are kind of pushing unnecessary passes, offloads to try and be like New Zealand teams. And it's something, it's hard when you see this, the New Zealand teams doing it all the time. They, you want to, you want yeah, to you do want the to same sort of things. You want to replicate, yeah, you want to emulate, you want to replicate their style. But what they probably, maybe it's the fact that you sit down and you watch a reel of highlights and maybe you don't watch all the phases in between and it just looks like they're doing this all the time. Really, they're actually very patient. They do a lot of, you know, first, yeah. uh, one out, one out hit ups, forwards working in pods, just rolling that advantage line a little bit, and just as the defence moves back, moves back, you draw a few players in, you start creating gaps, but they're not being patient enough to do that, and it's not gonna it's not gonna improve unless they can take a breath and just slow it down and just work on some more fundamental play rather than getting too exotic in their in their moves too early. Well. It comes back to something they've been saying a lot about Australian rugby in general and whether we need to go back and develop some of these skills that are at a low level in the, in the youth clubs and juniors so they are coming up and having better sort of ideas of running lines and handling. I really noticed in the Crusaders warm-up um, they were running a move which is a simple second-man play with an inside ball on the end of it and they were switching up every player in the team could play to participate in every position in that yeah move. they could execute that. and then they yeah. executed it you saw it, uh the number seven Harmon scored a try and that was the move they did it and it's because they could all slot into each position and they could all play a part and i think that's a level of skill that at a basic level in at all levels of the australian rugby at the moment is probably lacking and i know there has been a push to try and improve that at all levels and to get some of these skills more developed in junior levels and junior clubs, but I don't think we're there yet. I think it's going to take a little while, and I think that is where we sort of fall down a little bit um, on the Super Rugby stage. Well, there was a there was a stark difference between the Blues Chiefs game at five thirty on Friday, and then seven thirty or eight o'clock. You saw the Reds Brumbies; like the contrast couldn't be more dramatic. So, mm. you know, Blues Chiefs another classic derby. And then we, you sit down and watch the Reds Brumbies, and it's such a different game, and it, it does get frustrating to watch that. So, I'm hoping that the Brumbies can go and really work on their skills and and bring things together because they got a big game next week. So, both Brumbies and Reds, we want to, we want to see them pick it up, and they've got they've got pieces who can do it. We think Kyle Godwin and Joe Powell doing good job for the for the Brumbies, and then we've we spoke last week about all the potential with the Reds. Yeah, we'll look to see whether the Reds can get back to scoring some tries next weekend. Hopefully we can see John Lance unlocking a bit of potential with Karevi and Toa getting back to proper form and some barnstorming runs. Uh, for those of you who may have noticed that uh, Richie Arnold was dropped out of the starting side for Rory Arnold, that's because he is actually was off celebrating becoming a father. So congratulations to Richie Arnold. Um, that's great, but hopefully we'll see him back on the rugby field maybe next weekend. Hopefully another set of twins. Another set of two meter tall second rowers for the Wallabies to come. Alright, we'll That's keep right. on moving and and then we had on Saturday afternoon from uh, Prince Chichibu Stadium in Tokyo again, the Rebels versing the Sunwolves and as I thought it the Rebels came out victories by twenty points, thirty seven to seventeen. Really starting to show a bit of class there, the Rebels. Yeah, they did look good. And uh, the Sunwolves, who I had heavy, heavy props for, uh, didn't didn't back it up from their first uh, first game. They really fell apart. But 
I, f- I feel a little bit bad because they, they did have to rotate in a few different players and they did lose a number of players pretty early on in this game, uh, which, you know, no no team wants that and it's hard to adjust. But to lose the, the fly half who was, who was starting that game for the yeah, Hayden other... Parker. For their, yeah, Hayden Parker, that's right. So Hayden Parker in at 10, a change from their first game and then injured. And then they lost their winger with concussion. Uh, they kept kept dropping guys all over the park, which was uh, a big issue, and they just never really recovered from that. They had a couple of players, Tupo and Nakamura, uh, I thought played quite well, and they, they managed to keep their scrums together. They were definitely competitive there. Heaps of effort, but with the mounting injuries, they really they really just struggled in defense. Uh, they, they couldn't hold the, the Rebels out forever, and this Rebels set piece looked really good. I think... The Sunwolves, honestly, like that, those injuries were unfortunate. I'm not sure that was maybe a bit of a freak occurrence because um, they, they could have possibly run out of players at the end there. But I think the step up at Super Rugby level in terms of physicality is something that the Sunwolves may struggle with. They don't have a whole lot of depth in their squad. It's probably been a bit better than previous years, but you're going to see if they lose a few key players, they're going to struggle to compete. And this is playing at home as well. Like we haven't even seen them play on the road yet. They're gonna have, they're going over to the Sharks next week, and that's going to be a massive test for them to have to travel, manage the injuries. I think they look good when they play high tempo, high octane footy, where they're throwing it around and they they kind of lose their structure a bit in a positive sense. But they're going to have a lot of work to do to travel and get any sort of success on the road. Um, so you know they've come a long way, I think, from last year, but. As you said, at Leo, they they can easily fall back into those traps that they've they've kind of suffered through in previous years. So they had a lot of errors. They were pushing passes. They had a lot of trouble exiting their twenty-two. They're throwing, you know, again, same as first week. They threw passes that were pretty average, didn't go to hand, and and put themselves under even more pressure. So they really need to just go back to some basics these new guys coming in who spent an off season not expecting to be in the starting lineup and now getting an opportunity and they're going to have to just take it easy sticks to some basic attack and some solid defense and try and keep themselves in games yeah well it's true their back line was really pretty decimated i mean you go through and look at their starting team they had two new wingers from the week before who were both reasonably good but both out with injuries a new fullback and then by the end of the game they've lost lafelli as well who's quite a big man in terms of their defensive structure as well so i think you're right they're going to struggle um to last this whole season it's interesting because they're big forwards in terms of sam wikes willie brits and ed quirk and even michael leach and labriscogni all look reasonably good and they all look quite fit and they look match ready but there's a few of the guys around them that just aren't looking really quite up to it but enough about the Sunwolves, I think we really need to talk about my boys, the Rebels, showing their class once again. So uh, which one are you buying that Rebels jersey? I'm not converting. I still believe in my homeboys, the Tars. Maybe just but... a hat or something. Yeah, I'm thinking maybe the shorts. I like their shorts. Part-time supporter. Exactly. Um, mate, the Rebels, they were better in this game. They, they were quite solid again. I think, personally... They left some points out there. Didn't quite execute to their full potential. But you can't complain. When they're putting the points on like this, you had Jack Maddox scoring three tries. Um, 
just generally they were they were solid. They had pretty good defense, and yeah, I just think they have so much potential, and we probably are holding them to quite high standards. Given, you know, look how far they've come from last year. We've we've got high standards for them. I think they're going to get there eventually, but it's kind of step by step with this team. And I think Dave Vessels is the right guy to lead them forward. Yeah, they definitely were looking much more aligned this week, and. Um, as disappointing for me as the Sunwolves were, I was actually very impressed with the Rebels that they they did come back out. I saw a much more cohesive group. Uh, I still I still don't think Debrasini's up to playing ten for these guys. I think he's still probably the limiting factor for them. But everyone else in that back line and a lot of forwards looked looked really solid. Adam Coleman had a great game. Uh, Lineouts, he was stealing ball all over the place and really secure on their own throw. And he was even involved in some of those backline moves with some smooth hands, so it's great. Uh, Jermaine Ainsley, there, one of their props, was another another strong mobile front row coming through. Is awesome. Uh, he had a great yeah. sixty minutes before he got subbed. Thought he was very impressive, and and he's only young too, so that's great. And Jack Maddox, trifecta, and he's he he looks to me he looks ready to go in at ten. If he's if he's going to be a developing fly half, I say you throw him in now because. If he can, if he can just step in there and throw some passes like he did on the weekend, he threw an, an awesome cutout long ball to Sefa, who then returned the favour, gave it back to him, and he and he ended up uh, Maddox ended up scoring that try. But that the vision of and the execution in that uh, backline move was excellent. Arch, I think I want to get your thoughts on this because Leo and I were discussing this earlier about Jack Maddox. The Rebels have the Brumbies next week, right? So. Are you looking to make that change at 10 now or do you leave Jack in there? I think Corabetti could come back to the wing. So you risk Maddox yep. going to the bench. Coming back. What move do you make as the Rebels going forward? Well, I guess you look at they're either going to be, if you're thinking they're going to be making that change in the next couple of weeks, what are their upcoming games? They're versing the Brumbies next week and then they've got the Waratahs. I think they've got the Tars. At home. Yeah. And then I think they're heading, overseas. oh no, they've got the Sharks back at home the week after that. That's what we're saying. It doesn't get any easier. Like, mm. this is the thing. There are no it's easy good games home. in this competition. Yeah. So, mm. do you do it now? Do you make that move now? Because Jack Debrasini isn't that impressive. Let, let me add to that. Jack Debrasini's tactical kicking was very poor. And at the better team you play, the more they're going to punish you. And the Sunwolves didn't punish them that badly. But the Brumbies and the Waratahs, if they play to their potential, and any New Zealand team is going to destroy you with these these bombs that go only only go forward five meters and kicks for a touch that don't go out. I, I yeah, I know what I think. What do you think, Arch? Look, I think it's really hard to make a full switch for starting Maddox next week versus the Brumbies when they've just come off two good wins and you've got some cohesion starting to form in. You got to think that Genier and him are starting to form a little bit of a relationship. I do agree that his kicks weren't up to standard, but I think that you should be looking to get him in with some time at 10 next week, but I don't think you should make a straight switch at starting him. I think you look at, if Corabetti's back, I don't know if he is 100% back for next week. I think maybe you do. He's then, supposed to be. You do then bring him off the bench and you give Maddox, what, say like 35 minutes, switch him just after half time and give him that half at 10. And then you think if that's settling well and... Corbett looking well. Then you can go with that for the Waratahs if you think that's what. I think you've you've that's that's the middle ground, isn't it? You 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 bench him. You say well done. You know three tries, great 
great work across the park, bench him. And then if things aren't going well, then Debrasini almost opens the door for him to come in and have a go. And then obviously the result of what happens, whatever. Oh, no, um, I'm saying start so that, him. That's... Start him on the wing. You're yeah, yeah, start, him no, on the yes, start him on the I wing, think, bring Corobiti Cor- off the bench. I think Corobiti's back. Oh, Corobiti off the bench, okay. No. And then swap him. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, well, you, you don't want to just respect to the guy who's the incumbent, yeah. which is, I think, important. You want to respect the guy who's been there for those two games and done a good job. Um, no, okay, so that's that's an interesting one too. I maybe I'm I'm more. <laughs> I've never been a coach, so I think yeah, I would I would put Jack Maddox in. He's come off a hat trick in Tokyo. Be riding high. He's got confidence, and you can see Debrasini doesn't have the confidence. Whether you leave Debrasini on the bench, I would if Corbett fit, I'd bring him back at 14, and I put Maddox at 10. And it's a bit of a baptism of fire against the Brumbies. But the Brumbies haven't looked like the Brumbies in the last two weeks. So I think it's actually a perfect opportunity to put him up against Christian Lee Lofano. Jack Maddox, I think, whether he's ready or not, I'd be putting him at 10. It was a similar thing with Bernard Foley a few years ago, moving him from 15 to 10. And that worked treats, and they never went back from that with the Waratahs. So... Well, that's the backs kind of covered off. I think we should talk about the forwards as well because the Rebels were pretty impressive up front as well. Yeah, well, we mentioned Adam Coleman and Jermaine Ainsley. Alfie Murphy was running right off the back of those scrums. We had, Rebels Narky had Murphy. seven men doing all the work. He's not a winger for the Warriors. Oh, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> Murphy. Yeah, Mar- Murphy, off the back of the scrum, he was able to stand up, look around, oh, he's so good. put his hands on the ball and go. And and that's that's credit to the other seven guys with uh, creating the stability there for him to do that, albeit against the Sunwolves, who were a solid scrum, but certainly not a uh, a challenging sort of top line scrum in this competition. Um, and then across across all the all of the rebels, they were again quick quick line speed in defence. They were up pressuring the Sunwolves and. Yeah, I was really impressed uh, with the rebels set piece. I think Uelisi had a big part to play with that. Nothing sort of hugely expansive from him, but very solid in the lineouts, very solid in the scrums. And I think you're right. I think the whole forward pack stood up because you just saw it. Genia just had quick ball and stable ball from the rucks, and that just gave them such a good platform moving forward with their outside backs and freeing up that space out wide. And that's where you see the benefits of someone like Maddox running 30, 40 metres to score. And the good thing is with these Rebels players, like they're big. They seem pretty mobile as well. You're, you're playing, is it Angus Cottrell at seven at the moment? Yep. Colby Fahinger came on. The yeah, back. I think probably Colby will come back in at seven to give them a bit more, say, pilfering ability because um, you got Lepetti and Amanaki Mafi at eight. So you've got, you got enough size in that back row. But they're tight five. They're big units as well. Like This whole pack is probably one of the biggest packs in Super Rugby. And if they can be quick and big and still have the skills, you know, being able to pass, you saw Coleman doing what he was doing, like it's going to set a great platform for some of these backs. And I think you'll see them get over the top of the Brumbies if they play like they did in Japan. So pretty happy for the Rebels. I, I think everyone would agree that, you know, Arch, you've been talking them up, but they are performing. Like they're, they're putting 30, 40 points on. Told you, man. And I think they have, a, they have further they can go. Some of the players, like you said, like, they can improve at 10 and that sort of connection between backs and forwards. Obviously, Kenya looks like he's on sort of a bit of form at the moment. Um, and you've got oh, players... Yeah, and you've got players like Lepetti Tamani, who we know can be savage, but hasn't quite got up to his normal sort of standard as yet. 
he's probably the one person in the Forza I think you could see a bit more. And if he starts firing as well, you're going to be looking at a pretty pretty tough team to stop. Yeah, look, the Petty Tamani probably doesn't have the carries at the moment that you would like. But I think that's probably a product as, as well of playing with Murphy and, and other guys that can carry the ball well. He doesn't need to be doing it all the time. And maybe he's a bit used to playing it well, last year is at lock a lot, so he's used to playing a bit tighter. Okay, so from a blowout win for the Rebels, we moved to what ended up being a gutsy draw up in Durban. The Waratahs travelled over to first the Sharks, who were coming off a bye, so they were well-rested, whereas the Waratahs walking off a plane to a pretty hostile atmosphere over there in Durban, but managed to secure a draw, I guess, and any time you come away with points in a South African tour, you've got to be reasonably happy, so 24-all. And another comeback to, to to steal some points. So a little bit worrying for the Waratahs. Yeah, you say that, but at the same time, they're not paying particularly well. And they're still managing to get points from these games, which is a good sign. And you see those flashes of the way they can play, but they just can't seem to do it consistently. And that, that is frustrating as a Waratahs fan because they do have a lot of talent, particularly in that back line. Um I just we need the forwards to set the platform. At the moment, they're not doing it. They were a little bit better than last week. Um, I think starting Jed was a good move. He still needs some some more matches under his belt. He doesn't look 100% fit yet for match matches in Super Rugby. But overall, it was a better performance by the Tars, but still, I would say not good enough. So we've talked about the Waratahs forward pack being a bit of a problem, and if you listen to the South African commentary, you think we were starting a bunch of under 20 rookies because they were not very respectful to any of those players but of course what do we expect out of South African commentators but what do you think in terms of we talked about some problems with the front row and props do you think we're still problems there is there something we need to change between Robertson Fitzpatrick and Paddy Ryan yeah I think there is a lot we have to change I mean at the moment I'm not sure we can make that change I'd love to see Tolu come back in. He was running the water out there. So I don't know if he's under a massive injury cloud or it's just a little bit of lack of fitness. Um, Paddy Ryan again, like, yeah, I just can't come up for with a reason why he should be there. But having said because that, Kepa's the guy that came there. on. Yeah, yeah, I know that. But the guy that came on, Fijian guy, um, Tawaki. wasn't a whole lot better. Yeah, Tawaki, he didn't give... He didn't give me much confidence either, but it's it's guys like Fitzpatrick, Paddy Ryan, even, I mean, Staniforth was okay. He, he's a toiler. Like, he, he has a high work rate, but his carries aren't effective. Um, we really lack some, the ability to bend the, bend the defensive line. Jed offers that, but again, he's not quite firing yet. So you've got guys like Michael Hooper just having to do so much. And you could see how tired he was in that game. I think he could barely speak to the referee at one point. He was that, that knackered. So forwards, are still, well, still a lot of work to do. What would you, what would you give to get a Jacques Potgieter back? Someone like that. Oh, man. I'd give half the forward back to get Jacques Potgieter back. Because that's the, that's the kind of energy, intensity, physicality that, that maybe is yeah. missing. Because... Our back rows, yep. we've got Hooper's Hooper's Hooper. We don't need to break him down. He's he's great. I wouldn't change him. Our our there our the other two guys, our big unit. They they've got the size, but maybe not the intensity and the physicality of someone who's really aggressive, really seeking out that contact. Um, and then 
I get, you know, either that in a second row or in a lock or, or in the back row, someone there's got to step up and get a bit of animal, a bit of, um, yeah, bit of, yeah, bit of exactly. anger almost, that's not, you know, controlled, controlled focus animal. anger. Like that's got to be, got to be seeking out contact, putting some big hits, stopping these teams getting across the advantage line and, you know, make, making sure that they're, that they're not feeling that comfortable about running at you. They don't, you, you want the other team to be, hesitant or not looking for the contact themselves you want them to be concerned oh if i have to carry this up i'm gonna get smashed again i don't think they feel yeah, that they don't feel that way at, at all at mm. all well you think about the people we've seen in the past put in big hits from the waratahs and you're thinking people like kepu can put on those big hits people like tolu latu can put on those just almost dangerously diving at people's knees with his head but he definitely makes an impact and makes people a little bit worried it's unfortunate that I think that Kepu wasn't taken onto it, even though he's eligible to come back from suspension next week. But I guess they're giving him that extra week of rest and potentially think that they'll be able to handle the Hagiwaros by themselves. But it will be very nice to see a few of those names being put back up on the starting lineup sheet. This is what I was talking about as well with Leah. Like, if you add in Jack Dempsey, you add in Sakopi Kepu, Tolu Latu, um, Rob Simmons probably will come back in. I, I actually like to see Hannigan yeah. stay at lock. He was doing enough. Rob Simmons is going to come back, and he's, he's, he is better than Staniforth. Like overall, no, no, you don't have to remind me, but come on. Yeah, well, if you get Jack back at six, take Wells out, um, Simmons comes in with Hannigan, and you get that front row short up, we're going to have a lot better ball for these backs. So, um, You're right. One they're thing they're to playing on half a forward back. Hannigan was immense in this. I think he really showed, I don't think anyone noticed a lack of presence not having Rob Simmons in our line-out. Hannigan was there and took, I think I saw, I counted at least six or seven line-out takes just from him. He was getting up, he was getting up in the air and getting competitive ball and taking it and giving good ball down to down to the halfback or bringing it down with the forwards. I don't think we lost anything having him at second row. Potentially, he didn't play quite as loose, and if you're talking about those ball carries, maybe he didn't quite have as many of them because he was focusing on some of that other stuff. But I think if you had someone like Jack Dempsey coming back in to play that six, I'd love to have him at six and then Ned it um, in the second row. I think that's a great combination. Yeah, the Waratahs looked a little bit like I've, I know they've worked on their fitness, but they did look very tired in this game. I, I think still the Sharks deserve to win overall. Um, Waratahs did get a bit lucky there in the end, but it shows they're willing to fight to the bitter end to get a victory, and they didn't quite, quite get there this time. But these are all good qualities to have for a team that often you know, was characterised as disappearing in the second half if they didn't seem like they had a chance. So, And Gibson said that in the, the press conference. He was happy with that element of the game. But overall a bit sloppy, the execution wasn't there, and so a lot to work on generally. And a bit of concern for one of the Waratahs, Kirtley Beal, coming off around half-time just before, uh, clutching his left side, and looks like he's clutching his ribs. don't think we have any more. Yeah, I, I know it was rib cartilage, and, and they were getting some CT scans, Arch, is that the correct term, I think, done um, prior to leaving Savria, so... Yeah, I'd, I think if, if they come out negative, um, he'll be on the plane to to Argentina. Otherwise, they'll probably play it safe and fly him back to Sydney to prepare him for the Rebels game. So hopefully not too serious there. Definitely. And I mean, we saw a bit of a different combination with him leaving the field and you saw a bit more of uh, 
Lalakad Fiketi and Curtis Rona in this game because they took up a bit of a centre partnership. We saw a bit more of Rona running the ball and a bit more of his defence. Yeah, and it's going to change the way they play if they bring Fiketi into 12 and play Rona at 13 because you don't have that second ball player as much. Fiketi tends to straighten the line. You could see it with some of the direct runs he had. If if he cuts the errors out of his game, I think he's going to be a very damaging player for the Waratahs. And having Rona there, a bit more of a... You know, he hasn't been in rugby union that long, but he seems like a bit of a veteran to me. Like, he doesn't seem rattled by things. Just does the simple things right. Do you think... Do you really reckon they would push Fiketi in to inside yeah, and Rona outside? You, you don't think they... I'm not saying this is what I would do, but I, I kind of think they'd maybe throw Hegarty in as inside. I think it's too much of a liability having Hegarty there at 12. He's going to get, like in defence, he's going to get run out too much. He's not just not built for, to play 12, I don't think. He's better with a bit of space at 15 or on the wing. But is Hegarty enough of a second second five to, to play 12? He's more of a, he is more of yeah. an inside. Like, I, I that's the balance. Think, is do you think you need the extra, the extra fly half kind of aspect I think, skills? Yeah, I think you, I think you do need it, but I don't think Hegarty's the answer. I think Fiketti will play a little bit more like, say, when you move Rob Horn into twelve, when they used to do that. He'll be doing the crash ball, but it may actually open up the game for the outside backs if they can. I don't know. Keep that quick phase play. If the forwards can set the platform, I don't think it's going to matter too much against the Haguaros. Um, going forward, I wouldn't like to see that probably for the rest of the season unless KB's out for a long time. And one other player I want to bring up was uh, the reserve halfback who made his debut, debut uh, Mitch Short, who was a previous under-20s Australian player, but looked really quite comfortable coming in. I mean, I think with Phipps coming back, he's he's going to be difficult to be challenging for a spot on the bench sort of starting, but it's good to know we have a bit more of that depth at halfback as well. But next week, Waratahs are heading off, heading off to Argentina, taking on the Haguaros at home. We'll hopefully see them get take some more points out of this two-week overseas tour before they return home to Sydney in two weeks versus the Rebels. Let's jump around and have a quick look at the other games of the round. Look at the game we briefly mentioned earlier, the Friday afternoon derby, the New Zealand game, the Chiefs taking off on the Blues, and it's becoming a bit of a bit of a tradition each week that this game is the one to watch the bit of a blowout just great rugby running rugby all round so the blues going down uh 21 to 27 to the chiefs there at home as well i was i was happy to see damien mckenzie slotting in at fullback at the last possible moment before this game the chiefs had a couple out um but that obviously worked for the chiefs coming away victorious mckenzie was a lot more involved the commentators were referring to this game as elegantly violent, which was probably a pretty good description. We had Duffy and Augustine Pulu just absolutely oh, Duffy. Duffy no was respect killing people. for anything. It was insane. It was so <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't help in the end, but God, they put some hit. Mackenzie particularly as well copped a really big hit from Duffy. Never saw it coming. But really strong set piece from both teams. Not too many errors. Lots of running rugby. Was There was... A, a bit of kicking, but it was mostly kind of box kicks and a few attacking kicks and then just the typical exit from your 22. So it, when it doesn't become a, a ping-pong match, it's it's good. It's good to watch. These guys were good. I think the Blues, they've lost two games in a row now, but you can see the quality is there. They're better than previous years. And 
I honestly think there are good things to come from the Blues. Uh, they've got a lot of talent, um, a lot of explosive players. The Chiefs just here, I think they just, I don't know, they just kind of outsmarted the Blues in a lot of areas and and um, managed to close this game out. So still still missing probably some of the players out in previous years, the Chiefs, but yeah, they still look quality. Yeah, they're still going to be a threat for anyone they come up against, I think. They really capitalised on any turnover and really took their opportunities. A bit of a sad news, you saw uh, Augustine Pulu, the Blues captain, uh, injured in this game, coming off the field, and it sounds like he's not travelling with the team for next week's game. So I think that's a bit of a loss for them moving forward. He really provides a good spark. and Yeah, and their captain. Exactly. Yeah, that's a big loss for them. Um, who do they take next week? Have they got the, the Sharks or something? I'm not sure. They're heading over to face the Lions in Joburg. So oh definitely not that's, a nice thing. Yeah, that's not Worst good. possible time. Yeah, this is going to be... That'll be a game to watch, definitely. Yeah. Um, Sonny Bill Williams should be back for them, though. He was held out with a minor hamstring strain and they were being very conservative with him. He was there before the game saying he probably could have played, um, but they were just being safe because it's the start of the season. Moving forward to the Saturday games, the Stormers left Sydney a bit deflated and had to go to Christchurch to face the Crusaders, and they didn't. Their fortunes did not change in Canterbury. So Crusaders winning forty-five to twenty-eight, still managed to score a fair few points on those Crusaders. The Stormers. I think we said it that the Crusaders just far too clinical again. They they make light work of teams like this that probably probably are suffering a little bit with the travel. Um, but the Stormers aren't a bad team, and you did see them come back a bit later in the game. They they put some points on. Crusaders probably can improve their defense a little bit, but they continue to score a lot of points. I think we'll talk about Richie Moanga, but he seems to be out, doesn't he? Yeah, Richie Moanga, uh, broken jaw, could be a couple of months, so that's going to be... That's a big loss for them. Unfortunate for them, yeah. I think he was. they were talking about the fact that he was solidifying... His kind of role as perhaps the backup to Bowden Barrett maybe maybe preferable to Lima Sapawanga for the All Black. Not sure who they're going to bring in at this stage, but yeah, you would think uh, they had a similar situation at the start of last season where they brought Mitch Hunt on um, at ten, and they they didn't look as dynamic and as threatening. They were still winning games, but not nearly as clinically as they did previously. So I would expect him to end up getting the nod for the ten position to start with, but I think it will affect them to an extent no it is it is pretty tough when you lose one of your star players that's 10 it's like the Waratahs losing Foley like it's massive so they're still probably the favorite I think in the New Zealand conference at this stage um, but yeah I think it's going to bring the pack a little bit close to the fact they've lost Moana heading forward to the other early Sunday morning games we had a game touted as the Lions the powerhouse of South African rugby taking on a younger junior Lions, if you will, according to Toby. The Lions didn't really let the Bulls get on top in this game, but very high scoring, 49 points to 35 and 10 total tries scored in this game. I, I kind of, I said before about the Lions maybe taking a step back this year. I want to see them play a New Zealand op- opposition and that's going to happen next week against the Blues. I think that'll be a true test for them. But you got to say the Bulls in this game, they scored 35 points. They had two yellow cards, I think, in in a matter of three minutes apart. So they hung in there, and they finished within 14 points of the Lions. Like, 
That is that is they're playing far above expectations this year. John Mitchell's got them playing really kind of expansive, dynamic footy, and they seem to have a lot of big mobile guys that just can move around the park with ease. You'd think that a team that is full of these junior guys, like they need to kind of build some structure and and then build an expansive game around that. But they seem to have jumped kind of five steps ahead. Um, and it's good to see. Like, I'm enjoying watching them play. The Lions-Bulls in previous years, you wouldn't want to watch this game. But this was a, a really entertaining affair. Mm, you don't normally see uh, games of that scored with that many tries scored uh, in previous years unless you are watching a New Zealand derby. Well, this is this is a massive shift, I think, for South African rugby. Like, this is they're not relying on kicking. They're, they're using tactical kicking... A lot of the time, but they're not relying on drop goals, penalty attempts. Like it seems like the Australian teams are the teams that are probably playing the the least amount of expansive football, which is disappointing. So big big step in the right direction, I think, for most of the South African teams um, in the first three rounds. Mm, and we'll see the Bulls travel to Australia and take on the Reds next week. So that'll be interesting. Uh, looking forward to the final game of this round. The Hurricanes bounce back a little bit uh, against the Haguaros over in Argentina, taking them out and holding the Haguaros trialers. So 34 points to 9 it ended up. And Hurricanes, is this a showing of what they can do and what they can bring into this season? Mate, I, I watched this game and Geordie was back playing with Bowden. Geordie didn't play a full game, but even Bowden, like... He's not back to, to what, what he was last year. He, he's kind of making silly mistakes. And the Hurricanes overall, this scoreline's probably a little bit flattering. They didn't play that well, but they still managed to score tries. And I think that's, that's ominous signs for the Crusaders next week. The Hurricanes look like they're starting to kind of mount that form that they were, like, that they were playing with last year. So Haguaris must be really frustrated. They looked super fired up in this game. Um, and it was quite close in the, the initial stages, but they just couldn't get, break the Hurricanes' defence. The defence from the Hurricanes was, was quite elite. So that wraps up all the games of uh, Round 3. Australian Super Rugby Team of the Week. Uh, we're doing a bit of a new thing this week. We've put our heads together and come up with the best sort of Australian 15 that we can think from this weekend's performances. Leah, why don't you take us through the front row, who we picked? We've gone a, a Rebels-heavy front row. So it's Tara Faulkner, Jordan Elisi, and my, my pick, ah, it's, it's a split. So we had Taniela Tupu. I actually think Jermaine Ainsley did a lot to put his name up in the lights, but Tupu probably probably tips him just. Strong, mobile, forward, uh, forward three. Like that, All guys were really heavily involved in their games and and putting a lot of dents in the opposition defensive line. So, earned this spot for sure. Mm, and a lot of new names there. You wouldn't expect that, just looking at team lists from before this weekend. Toby, what do you think about the second rowers? Mate, I don't think you could go past Ned Haddington. Like, he, he's playing with some animal. Doesn't take a step back. He He's kind of playing in the way that Michael Hooper does, where he's everywhere and just doesn't have any respect for his body. So, very impressed with the way he's come on this year. And then, I mean, I could have actually even put Matt Phillip in here, but Adam Coleman for mine was someone that had a tremendous game for the Rebels. He stole maybe three or four lineouts, was around the park making some some good passes with the interplay with the backs. 
he he's almost one of the first qualities I reckon you'd pick at this stage of the season. And looking at the back row, we've got Liam Wright actually earning himself a place in this team with a first debut start for the Reds, but had a really strong showing, as uh, Leah was alluding to before. And that paired with Michael Hooper, of course, um, being in there, and he was everywhere in that Waratah Sharks game and showed a bit of pace at the end as well to score a try from 30 metres out, outpacing a lot of the Sharks' backs as well. And then starting at eight, one of my personal favourite players, Amanaki Maki from the Rebels, who seems to be able to put in 80 minutes every week, super fit, but puts on big hits and makes big runs. Yeah, he was great. It's it's a shame he can't play for the Wallabies, isn't it? Like, he would have just been a great addition. Japan's very lucky to have him. And this was a big game for him, like... I heard Vessels kind of talking about it after the game that Murphy, this was an important game that he came and, and put in a good performance in front of what he considers to be his home fans. You know, he very much considers himself to be Japanese after playing for the Japanese rugby team and spending a lot of time over there. So, yeah, this is an important game for him and he, he didn't, you know, he, he looked a bit injured last week, but it didn't doesn't seem to affect him um, coming into this week. So it's good to see. And going through the backs, I don't think anyone would really argue with the fact we've got Will Genia sitting in there at nine. He really directed that Rebels uh, back line and really played a crucial role in getting that team around the park. And, and at number 10, we've got Jonathan Lance in there, a bit of a stable head, uh, mainly, I think, for his defense. He really helped sort of stop any of that uh, Brumbies running back line and put a bit of a hold on them to help the Reds, you know, contain them to only 10 points this week. And a bit of a mix in the centres. We've got Rebels and Reds. And personally, I'd see uh, Kyle Godwin in there too. But we, we like Reese Hodge at 12. Uh, good hands in a few set-piece moves and, and just another big frame putting putting the Rebels on the, on the front foot. And Samu Karevi outside for the Reds contained the Brumbies fairly well. And there's there's some competition here, though. I think this this name won't be the same every week. Yeah, definitely, I think. And you mentioned Carl Godwin putting out a strong showing. I'm sure we'll be mentioning his name uh, in future weeks. Also, just a shout-out I didn't mention before, but a bit of showing a little bit of the peach. John and Lance running down the sideline with his ducks around his ankles. Got the ball, beat a few players, and then managed to pull them up on the run. So gave the Suncorp fans a show and, and then their ticket price. Uh, what about the back three, Toby? Mate, it had to go with uh, Super Sefa on one wing. Put a couple of the Sunwolves in hospital, I think. Just some of his runs offensively straight into them. He doesn't shy away from contact, that bloke. And then on the other wing, uh, don't think we could go past Jack Maddox. Had trick of tries for the Rebels. Uh, and Falau, probably maybe a little bit of a quiet game from here. I probably could have gone Banks at, at 15, but I think Falau... He was consistent enough and inserted himself into the line where he needed to and got those Waratahs to a draw over in Durban. So I think that 15, like we said, it's going to change quite a bit week to week. But it'll be good to kind of track the form of certain players um, and keep an open mind in terms of who we're going to be picking this year because the World Cup's around the corner. We kind of want to be peaking towards the, the start of next year. So... This is a big season for Australian rugby and, and we're going to see a lot of young guys come through still, I think. Definitely, and we saw just then uh, Rebels' heavy pick. We've got seven out of the 15 from the Rebels this week and 
I'm sure we'll see a few weeks where the Rebels dominate that team. And looking ahead, we've got um, obviously round four coming up. few interesting games. We're finally getting a bit more of a mix of the South African and New Zealand teams coming up against each other as well, as well as some good derbies as always. But starting on uh, Friday afternoon, the 5.30 game, uh, for once we don't have a New Zealand derby here, we have the Highlanders playing the Stormers, who are on week three of their overseas trip. Uh, are things going to get any better for them? Mate, no, I, I think the Stormers are going to struggle again this week. Highlanders coming off the bye should be too strong for them. I'm taking the Highlanders by by at least 10. Yeah, I'm on the Highlanders as well. Stormers be very, very happy to wrap this trip up. Uh, the, the morale in that team hopefully hasn't dropped off too much because we know their defence can keep them in the game, but I think there's going to be too much. Yeah, I agree. I think the Highlanders uh, definitely should take this one. One note for the Stormers coaches, though, um, put Kitsoff back in the starting team. I don't know what they were doing putting him on the bench <laughs> this week. He's, like, one of the best props you have in, like, South African rugby. He pilfers, he scores tries. Like, come on, guys, start him. You need him on the field if you're going to win. Good point, Arch. And um, looking forward, we then come across uh, Rebels versus the Brumbies down in Melbourne, another Australian derby on Friday night. Uh, so this will be interesting See see what the Rebels are. Last place in the Australian Conference last year versus the first place of last year, the Brumbies. This is going to be a big game for the Brumbies. I think they're still going to struggle. They they really need to improve. The The Rebels, though, I'm going to take them regardless of who they start at 10. I think back down at home, they'll be, you know, they'll be really psyched up for this game. They've had two big wins so far. And I think this is going to be a much tighter affair. Um, but I, I still see the Rebels getting up in a close one. Yeah, I'm a bit torn. I think if if the Brumbies can correct their handling errors and their and their alignment through one to fifteen, then I think they I think they can beat the Rebels, particularly if it's the same team coming out, Debrasini at ten. Uh, I think I'm probably gonna have to wait for the team sheet. I'd like to say Rebels though, it's at home and even if Debrasini did start and we see one of those mix ups with the substitutions later on in the game, if they don't leave it till late, then I think the Rebels can definitely win this game. Yeah, I'm definitely going Rebels. You guys know me. I'm I'm believing in this team. I really think they're going to start to show a bit of true class. They've had a couple of weeks warming up. They've faced a Reds team and 14 men. They've faced a Sunwolves team um, pretty decimated by injuries. But I think this is the week they really show what they're all about and what they're going to bring to the 2018 Super Rugby season. And potentially Scott Co returning for the Brumbies, which stiffens up their scrum a bit. Maybe the set piece comes together, so it'll be interesting to watch that as well. Yeah, hopefully Scotty gets back. It'll be good to have him back on the field. Um, great player for the Brumbies and great for the War- uh, the Wallabies as well. Uh, moving forward, we've got a Hurricanes team returning home and taking on the Crusaders that are going to be without their starting um, fly half in Richie Moanga. Does that change things? Does that mean the Crusaders aren't going to be able to win this? I think it does. I think the, the Hurricanes haven't played their best footy yet. I think they'll be pretty confident seeing the is out. They are coming back from Argentina, which means they may be a little bit tired from that road trip um, over to South Africa and then Argentina. But having said that, I think back at home, they'll be keen to really... This is like a big statement game for them as well. I think it probably won't be one of those kind of expansive games as, as such. I think maybe they'll play it a bit tighter, but I can see them getting getting over the Crusaders in this one. 
yeah, Moama being out really disrupts the Crusaders. They will have to bring in uh, their, their backup fly half. But tra- their first travel, I think, for the Crusaders, they're, they're very likely to be right there in it with the Hurricanes. But, yeah, I think the Hurricanes coming in at home, if they can if they can recover from that travel, then they've got the pieces. I think you mentioned it then, Leo, travel. I think the Hurricanes might actually struggle coming back from a long trip, a long flight over from South America. I know Moang is out, but they've had success previously putting in people like Mitch Hunt. Uh, the Crusaders are averaging 45 points a game at the moment, and you got to think even if that drops off a little bit without having Moang, they're still going to be able to put points on the board. So I think I think Crusaders, I'm going to back them, back the consistency. So I think Crusaders can maintain and still still get a win up here off a tired, travel-worn Hurricanes team. Moving on, we have uh, a game we were sort of highlighting a little bit before um, from Brisbane on Saturday night. The Reds taking on the travelling Bulls, who had a good show versus the Lions, but will the Reds be able to put up another strong performance but get some tries on the board? I think they'll have to if they're looking to beat the Bulls here. I think this is going to be a massive game for the Reds because the Bulls are going to be tough. Like People were touting the Bulls to fall off and, and be kind of a, an easy beat team this year, but I think the Bulls are really going to test the Reds in this one. The Reds need to step up both defensively and they need to execute these plays in the backs. Like They can't be dropping the ball, otherwise the Bulls are going to run over the top of them. So I think the Reds can still get it done, but if they play you know, more similar to they have in the last two weeks, they're going to struggle. I'm I'm lean now leaning towards the Bulls. I want to see. I think I would need to see team sheets of this one as well. Be interesting to see what happens with Caleb Timu. Do the Reds get disrupted again with another suspension after that yellow card? Uh, you'd think uh, based on the first game, it's there's a lot of similarities. So there may be a week or two no, there. That was mate. That was a red card, and that was direct contact to the head. There wasn't direct contact to the head in this one. I I don't think he should be suspended. If- yeah, the, he's, if Higginbotham got three weeks and he already got 70 minutes on the sideline, that means it was probably going to be more if he'd been carded later in the game. I don't know. I'd, hard to know. That's why I want to see the team sheets. Uh, I can see myself going bulls if, if I don't like the look of the Reds because their depth is going to be tested if they start losing players or if they start changing it up too much. I might need to might need to see a good game out of the Reds with some tries before I can tip them against strong uh, opposition from the other two conferences. Uh, I'm going to back the Reds here. I think if they can stand up a little bit uh, on their defensive side, they just needed a couple of extra passes to go to hand and they would have had a couple of tries this week. So I think the Reds will be able to get it done coming off a high and at home I think they'll come out with a strong showing. Next, we move across to Durban, and the Sunwolves are heading on tour, taking on the Sharks. And I don't even know, are Sunwolves going to have a full 15 to put out in this game? They may need to bring in some guys from the top league or something because they're going to struggle um, travelling and, and trying to combat these injuries. Sharks, are, again, are a big physical team who can move the ball. Yeah, I, I think the Sharks haven't had a win yet. They've had a loss and a draw. And this is going to be... A game, I think they're really going to open it up. Game, and I think it's going to be a huge, huge scoreline against the Sunwolves. Yeah, Sharks at home, motivated. Uh, Sunwolves travelling, injuries. I think it's pretty simple. It's the Sharks with a strong win. Yeah, same thoughts here. Sharks I was impressed with them. 
And next we go over to Joburg and the Blues. Two losses already this season. And I keep trying to tout them as they're going to take on and put some pressure on these other teams. And they keep letting me down. And I'm... And I don't see it getting any better. I think they're going to lose again to the Lions. Mate, I'm on board with that. Lions are going to be too good. I, I think it'll be perhaps a high-scoring game. And I think it could be like 45-35 yeah, to the Lions. Probably a similar scoreline to, to the, this week that we saw with the Lions-Bulls game. Blues have got plenty of points in them. Yeah, I feel like defence is going to go out the window in this game and they're just going to be throwing it around everywhere. But it's Lions for me. Yeah, you could see the Blues wanting to chase this one really hard, especially if they go down a bit early. Uh, the Lions will, will try and put them under pressure and, and just keep piling on points. Can the Blues stay in it? Missing Augustine Pulu, but Sonny Bill Williams is back. It could be a could be one of those crazy offload left, right and centre affairs. Could be could be really exciting. It could be a blowout, but I, I think the Lions will have it. But the Blues, they've got nothing to lose. They've, they're two games down, as he said. They've got to get on top at some point if they're going to top that conference arch. So, yeah, I'll get pull on, up Tana, bro. I'll get on the line to Tano Munga and just let him know. But I think you're definitely right, boys. If if you're going to put any money on this game, you're putting it on the over on the overall points. I think they're easily going to pip fifty, probably sixty points. I reckon scored in this game. Moving on to the final yeah. uh, game of the round, and out of Argentina, the Jaguares have another home game, and they're taking on the traveling Waratahs. They squeaked out a draw last week. They're hoping to get a few more points here. But the Haguaris, they'd be mad after taking a bit of a pounding from the Hurricanes this last weekend. Um, Hurricanes beat them up a bit. That's three losses in a row for them. So they'll be seeing this game. They'll see a Waratahs pack that's a little bit vulnerable. And having watched uh, the Haguaris at the set piece, their strum is, is quite strong. So if KB's out... It'll be a very close game, I think, if Curly Bill plays. I see the Waratahs getting this one as well. It's hard to figure out the narrative this early in the week with no team lists and, and not hearing what the coaches uh, are talking about working on from the previous game into going into this week, talking about the strengths of their opposition. I, I could definitely see a Haguara's home victory, particularly if KB's out if the, the Waratahs forwards fall apart a bit. And the, the Haguaras have a lot of spice in that back line, so anything could happen. Uh, but equally, I could see the Waratahs uh, putting their attack together more often and getting a good amount of points, getting up sort of 20-something, 30 points on the Haguaras and just then just choking them out with some good defense. So my, um, my heart's going to leave me on this one. I'm going to go with the Waratahs. Great to hear you're finally backing the Waratahs again, boys, not going with the opposition uh, but I, I agree, Waratahs. I just want to see them actually get out in front and hold the lead. I'm, I'm sick of this back-and-forth thing where they keep conceding points and then have to come back and throw it around to get those last-ditch efforts to squeak out a win or squeak out a draw. I want to see them dominate the Haguaris. What's, what's this squeaking, mate? Sneaking? Squeaking? <laughs> Squeezing? You squeak out a win? Squeak out a win. I've never That's heard that ever. Oh, mate. <laughs> squeak out a win. Did you do You've English? been out of the country a while, Topes. Even more out a win. Archie, did did you do English? I did English. We had squeak to. out a win. Not squeeze out a win would be. I, th- I think you're combining two. Archie, there's eek out a win and there's squeeze out a win. Oh, eek out a win. You're going squeak out a win. <laughs> so you maybe you should go do some English like... again. Uh, it's an overrated language. Back to, no, back to class. Back English, to class. English, it's an overrated country. It's an overrated language, all right? I'll speak Australian for the rest of my life. 
Okay, you'll speak something else. I'm not sure what you're speaking. <laughs> Squeaking. Squeaking, yeah. <laughs> and in other news, uh, another Super Rugby competition is kicking off uh, coming on March 10th. It's the Build Corp Super W pop competition, which is five teams the, in the women's 15s game. So New South Wales, Queensland, uh, the ACT, Melbourne, and the Force putting up teams. A time for the women to actually show a bit of what they have to offer in the 15s game. We've seen them in the 7s. We've seen them win Olympic medals then. We've seen them in the 10s, in the Brisbane 10s. But I, for one, haven't really seen any women's 15s games. No, I haven't either, mate. And this is the problem, right? We've got the Wallaroos, who are the the women's national 15s team, and no one ever gets to see them. Uh, They're not visible to the general public. So we're going to see... It's only a five-week competition, so each one of the teams plays the other teams once. But the good thing is matches are going to be broadcast on Fox Sports and also streaming on rugby.com.au. So that's hopefully going to give give the girls a bit more exposure and hopefully some more money will come flowing in um, for the 15s game because it's all well and good to build around the 7s for the women, but the 15s program needs to be strong as well. So I'd, I'd like to see this do well. It's going to be probably trial and error this year. But, yeah, it's good to see something's in place. Yeah, definitely good to see. Uh, interesting that they've managed to call it the Super W because obviously it's only involving Australian teams. The New Zealand, uh, the equivalent to their NRC, the females, play the Sarah Palmer Cup. There's 11 teams in that competition so, and that's been going since 1999. So there's potentially, uh, maybe they're setting it up as a super women's and they'll try and draw those teams in the mix if they can get some momentum out of this early inaugural season. Uh, but yeah, definitely good to see Rugby Union chasing the, the attention of some of the better female sports people in the, in the country. There's every other codes doing it and rugby can't afford to be left behind. It needs to be a game that's good for men, women, families, and everyone else. Mm, so I think definitely a chance to get around it, get out to a game or watch a bit of it on Fox Sports. We want it to succeed. And yeah, I'd like to see in the future it be a competition that gets expanded, involves some New Zealand teams, and we really grow that sport. I believe it's one of the fastest growing women's sports in Australia right now. Um, so we need to hear a little bit more about it. The, the first thing I think that they need to be wary of in terms of, of, of the players. Um, there's been some concern during the week that from Rupa that there's actually been no money put aside as yet to pay the players. <laughs> what? Which seems, yeah, that seems pretty, pretty ridiculous, right? But it seems like they've got this con- competition together, the, the individual teams to come up with, with some rosters, but it seems like paying them is probably at the bottom list of priorities. Um, and if there was any kind of debate around equal pay, you know, this is where it applies. Like, you're not going to get probably the salaries that the men get yet, but you've got to start in a positive sense and, and not kind of be asking these players to play for nothing. That's so it. You've got to make it accessible. It's got to be accessible to people, and if they can't support themselves, if they're going to commit exactly. a lot of time to something, exactly. there needs to be some level of support because... They'll go play like AFL women if, yeah, because they'll get paid better. Like, this needs to be... from other codes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They've, they've got to be able to support yourself when you're doing all these different this different sports that don't have the profile of the main um, sort of international codes uh, in this country. There's so much, so many different options for sports people. There's got to be got to be some amount of financial support. 
Exactly, and the, the Build Corp is there, so they have thrown their weight behind this competition. As we talked about before with the Major League Rugby stuff, this is more kind of exposure for rugby more generally. So both men's and women's, let's build the game and, and continue. Yeah, not just rugby, but running rugby, entertaining rugby to watch. That's how you're going to build this sport globally. Anyway, that's all from us, guys. We'll be back next week, as always, with reviews of the games from this weekend. Hopefully we'll have an interview with one of the current players to give a few of his thoughts about what his team's outlooks are for the coming season. But for now, you can find us and like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram at Running Rugby Podcast. Plus, you can follow us now on Twitter at Running Rugby Pod. So check on that for regular updates, news and video content, and even some live tweets during the matches, guys. As always, we want you to click that little subscribe button on, on the podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Pocket Casts. Or you can visit directly on the Pediant website, available through our podcast pages. Uh, and we, of course, are coming soon to Spotify. Thanks again for tuning in, guys. And until next time, keep on running. Run. to mention them howling again hey they just they in the cricket they just ran out ab de villiers for a duck best (laughs) (laughs) idiots